Hi and welcome to the Chad Show podcast. I'm Chad, your host. We are going to listen to a special program right now. I hope you are blessed by these programs. You can find me on your favorite podcast platform. You can find access to them to these podcasts on Google Podcasts, the Anchor app, Spotify, and on YouTube. I will link each in the description box below. All you need to do is to type in the search bar of Google and type in the Chat Show Podcast. Alright, now let's go to the podcast and I'll see you there. Aloha. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. This is a brief, short announcement. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to this podcast and also to my YouTube channel. There will be more um, things I'll be putting up there soon enough, as well as these podcasts. We are coming up to a new month, so please be ready and check out what's coming up this month. All right, so get to check out the show notes as well as the podcast here. Thanks. Now back to the podcast. No, okay. Uh, it's, uh, I, think I thought it did, uh, went pretty well, but I'm, I'm only speaking from, uh, no, by the time I uh, shared with you guys, I've already gone, into about, gone over it about three times. Eh? So, um, but uh, today I thought we'd look at the uh, some lessons from the life of John the Baptist and uh, go to uh, the Bible and the spirit of prophecy to help us through this. Um, it's, uh, I hope that you'll be as blessed as I am um, in preparing this and in now in sharing it with you guys. Um, so before that, um, you know, I met with I met with uh, Simolo and Eileen at Central Church. Uh, a lady was trying to look for Pastor Travis, and so I was taking her on a common lady, and you know, because Pastor Travis was sitting kind of in the back near the right there, the audio booth there, right. So. As I was putting, I, then I noticed right in front of me was uh, Simolo and Eileen. <laughs> I gave them a hug. Eileen, today. They're going to their car to jump onto the Bible study too. Mm, yeah, so it's like uh, it's, it's good to see them. Uh, to see Eileen. Uh, amen. Yeah. Amen. All right, uh, let's bow our heads forward, open. Almighty God, our heavenly Father, Lord, be with us, Father, now as we study your word. In Jesus' name, we ask for the agency of the Holy Spirit, its mighty power to help us understand and interpret your word correctly, Lord, and to share it effectively. But most of all, Father, to obey it exactly and with joy. Bless every soul gathered here. Bless me, Father, and beginning with me, Lord, subdue me completely and use me as you will. For thy honor and for thy glory. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. 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 Lessons from the life of John the Baptist. Um, <clears throat> a man sent from God. Let's look at what John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, what these verses say. Um, Me and my King James, you know, we, we, we are, we're, we're connected at the hip, so I cannot go with the King James. I go to the NLT to for clarity. But I stay with King James for two reasons. I'm used to it. I was brought up to this. Number two, because our SDA Bible commentary is based on the King James. Okay? They use the King James version for the Bible. And my other commentary that I use... Uh, Dr. Matthew Henry's uh, commentary also uses the King James. There are commentaries today that use NIV, 
NLT, uh, ASB, you know, the commentary set, but that's why the SD Bible commentary basically works a little bit. So John 1, 6 and 7 says, they, these verses say, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is written by John the Apostle about John the Baptist. Amen? Verse 7, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Okay, talk to me, folks. What can you glean out of this verse? He was sent from God. John the Baptist was sent from God, right? Amen. And uh, we'll find out what that means. Very good. Anybody, anything else that you can pick up? He was a witness of the light. So the reason why he was sent was to bear witness of the light. And obviously we can see that, that he was not the light. He's to bear witness of the light. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's very similar to spirit of prophecy. Prophecy is not the light. It's some, some LNDY, some people call it the lesser light, but it's to point to the light, the true light. Okay? So here, John, um, John the Baptist is fulfilling the same role here. To bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Okay, so any thoughts of what, what, why does John the Apostle call John the Baptist a man sent from God? Thoughts on that? I mean, we all know this guy was special. John the Baptist. Yeah, Jesus he was John, special. Right? Remember how Jesus described him, right? No man born of a woman is greater than Right, then this one. That's that's something. I mean, okay, people say, oh, well, they're cousins. Yeah, okay, they're cousins. But Jesus is speaking from a, a, a spiritual level here. He says, this man, man born of a woman is greater than this one. I mean, his birth was similar to like Jesus' birth. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, kind of like the Sarah birth. Only The only difference is that John's mom was not as young as Mary. But I mean, both of them were prophesied, right? Both births were prophetic in, 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 in their, <coughs> in their number. But, um, you know, it's, it's always uh, good to... Is it because... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Is it because... This man who was sent on Patmos wasn't sent because of his crimes that he committed, but it was because of God's divine purpose that God had sent John to the island of Patmos for the writings that he would write that would echo to the ages of today. Is it to differentiate the difference between the people who went there because of their crimes that they okay. actually committed? Okay, so but once again... This is John the Apostle, the one, the same one who went to Patmos, the same one who wrote Revelation. Mm -hmm. He's saying this in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So he's not talking about himself. He's talking about John the Baptist. He's saying that John the Baptist was sent from God. Okay, mm -hmm. so we want to find out why did he use that phrase, man sent from God? Why was John the Baptist someone that was sent from God? Uh, that is not to say that what he said about John the Apostle in Patmos, that he was there unfairly. He was not a criminal, right? Yeah, that's true. But in this verse of John 1, 6 and 7, John the Apostle is talking about John the Baptist, John the cousin of Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Okay? And so, and this is why he's um, called the man sent from God, because... Isaiah 43. The voice of him that cried in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway of our God. So he was prophesied. 
John the Baptist rolled his birth was prophesied. Man sent from God, right? I mean, almost like the uh, only thing that God didn't do here is to call him John, like he did with Cyrus, right? <laughs> Remember Cyrus? God told them his name and what he was going to do. He was going to help his people. Right? So same thing with John the Baptist here, only his name was not mentioned. Well, that's in Isaiah 43. That's, a, that's a, the, the prophecy, the, the, the strict prophecy regarding John the Baptist. Okay. So here, John 1, 23, John the Apostle again, once. What's the question? Put your arm? Yep. Somebody ask a question? No? Oh, sorry, John. Okay. So John 1, 23, here John the Apostle is saying, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as said the prophet Isaiah. So John the Apostle is referring to Isaiah 40 in describing the role of John the Baptist. You can see this if you read the two verses prior to this, 22 and 21, you'll see who he's talking about. So he's talking about John the Baptist. So here John the Apostle is reaffirming that, that the person prophesied by Isaiah was John, John the Baptist. And look at this, Matthew 3, 3. Here, John the Baptist himself, look at what he says. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Man said from God, this guy did not happen by, hap by happenstance or by luck. This guy was indeed sent from God. And Ellen G. White says the following about John, John's birth and his upbringing. The birth of John the Baptist had been foretold by the prophets. We saw there, Isaiah. And an angel was sent to notify Zacharias of the event. Remember, Zacharias was declared mute until he believed. It shocked him just like it shocked Abram. When God told him, you know, your wife Sarah is gonna whatever child, right? They both had the you know the uh, the, the shock of, the, of their lives when they, they were told that. Zacharias as well. So Ellen White goes on to say the heavenly messenger expressly enjoined upon the father, Zacharias, to bring up the child with strictly temperate habits. Brothers and sisters, the health message is already there. message is not something new. Ellen G. White is just reinforcing us to go back to what God has always wanted his people to be, a health, healthy people, physically, spiritually. Isn't that amazing? The task that was set, by, set to his father. Right? First of all, he's still shocked that the son is, um, that, that he was going to have a child. Or his wife is going to have a child, but and yet and then the heavenly message, the same message who told him that he's going to have a child, said, "You must bring up this child strictly to be temperate in all things." What does it? What's the present truth for us today? Yeah, isn't that amazing? We need to be the same. Have to be the same. Our children up will bring ourselves up. Along this line. Then Ellen G. White continues. Some may inquire why the Lord should be thus particular, but God who made man knew that Satan's most powerful temptations would be on the point of appetite, hence the temperate habits. He knew that he was sending John the Baptist into an area where if he does not handle this first temptation, overcome the have victory over the first temptation, I call it victory over food. Right? If he doesn't have victory over food, he cannot have victory over anything else. I mean, this is a sobering truth for all of us. We think we can kind of like play around with food. Um, I, I still remember the uh, story that I heard one time with uh, 
Pastor Alele had, um, uh, you know, called the youth in to help out in the church when they're still at Central, you know, to you know, do the cleanup for, on a Sunday morning. And after that, they, uh, Pastor Alele said, okay, I'm going to take you all out to, remember we used to have a sizzlers down by uh, Vineyard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? All, all you can eat type uh, yeah. stuff, yes, right? Yes. So he took them there. And I was told that one of the kids in one of the youth was loading up crab legs in his plate. And as he brought it to the to to his table, his father said, Hey, wait, what's this? And the kid just said, well, This is what we eat at home, Dad. I want I don't want to say what happened after. That's, um, that's, that's, that's just what they call Polynesian past truths, not present truths. Right? But I mean, it, it, this is what I'm saying. Some of us are still eating what we know is bad for us. And I'm not talking about only unclean food. All the so called clean food in Leviticus, some of them don't work for some of us. And me and uh, Chad and Carol, we talk about this. As we age, our bodies become a little bit more sensitive to all to some types of food, clean food. I mean, kosher-wise, but it's not good for us. And the devil knows this. If you are someone that the Lord can use to go forward and preach his message, he will try and trip you up with clean food that is not good for you in particular, just because of your body makeup. Amen? And this is why Ellen G. White says this. Some may inquire why the Lord should be thus particular. Why did he ask, why did the Lord ask Zechariah to bring up his son to control the first temptation? To overcome the first temptation. Have victory over the first temptation. Why? Because he knows as Satan's most effective way, powerful temptation, will be on the point of appetite. admit that I, I'm on the extreme side of this. What do you mean? Sometimes I don't feel like eating. Mm. And that's not good. You know what I'm saying? I've, yeah. I've, I've uh, reached a point where um, I can go on without food, but I, I know that that's not good. My, my, I've, I've keep my body the wrong way. I've, I've, I've uh, you know, I'm down to two meals. In fact, one meal a day is good enough. So, be careful of, of, of this thing. Sometimes you can be, what's the word I'm looking for? Extreme. Yeah, I mean, obsessed about certain things. In an, an, an obsessive approach to, to diet. Be careful. So it becomes more of a ritual of a regimen than doing the right thing for God's glory. As he says in 1 Corinthians 10, 10, 30. Whether you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, including dieting, do all to the glory of God. Amen? No. You know, I'm so obsessed with keeping my weight down, I've almost conditioned my body not to even feel hungry. It's, it's incredible. You're talking to a guy that can eat like six times a day. Once a day now, Mikey, and you know what what I do in the gym, right? So when I come, I'm feeling hungry. Not anymore. Do you have enough oil? Hydrate. And my wife is looking at me, hey, you crazy? You need to eat, you need to eat, you need to eat. Yeah. So be careful. You can go to the other extreme. The key is what's motivating you to do what you're doing in, 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 in the point of appetite. Let it be to return all honor and glory to God. And you'll never go wrong. And Amen. Ellen G. White continues in regard to the prophetic person upbringing. Through the indulgence of appetite, the physical, mental, and moral strength becomes enfeebled. Appetite has impact on the physical, mental, and moral strength. Unless Zacharias should follow the prevailing custom, so obviously the custom there, they may be needing kosher food, but they were kind of going down a path where they, they were not really healthy. 
There was a prevailing custom there that the Lord told Zechariah, I don't want you to raise your, your kid up in this. Kosher, maybe. Don't raise, don't raise up your kid in, along, along this way. He's got to be raised differently. He's got to be raised temperately. <clears throat> I send an angel from the courts of heaven with directions for the training of this child of promise. Not only was John the Baptist man sent from God, he was also a child of promise. It was necessary for him, John the Baptist, to have a simple, unstimulating diet. That, that phrase, we, we need to be, this is what I'm saying, right? Guilty. I'm a, I'm a great spice guy. I grew up in, uh, in a country where the, the uh, East Indians have, had already affected our cuisine. So a lot of spice and things. Simple, unstimulating diet in order to prepare him, John the Baptist, to accomplish his what mission? Sacred, sacred. Sacred missions require sacred food. <laughs> Amen? Amen. If, if you didn't learn this from the 40 years in the wilderness, they thought they were just going to cross over to occupy a new land. No, no, they were on a sacred mission to evangelize the other nations to be like them. As a God-fearing people. And God prepared them how? Manna from heaven for 40 years. For 40 years. Can you imagine how healthy these people might have been? Must have been? So that they ate, did, was not marred by men except if they were greedy on a Friday evening to collect two, uh, you know, on, on any, any other day to collect, you know, twice the amount. Only on Friday evening can, can they collect twice the amount. Anyway, that food got spoiled. I mean, think about this. The food only gets spoiled when you disobey. <laughs> it's still disobedience. <laughs> disobedience is a thread that runs through God's people. Obedience must be the key to God's people's behavior. Obedience to God. When you disobey, things go wrong. It was necessary for him to have a simple, unstimulating diet in order to prepare him to accomplish his sacred mission. And it is said of him, you find this in Luke 1.8, the child grew and was strong in spirit and was in the deserts until the day of his showing unto Israel. He didn't go into the desert disobeying his father. His father knew that that was part of his upbringing to keep himself untarnished by the world, even though being in the world, before his mission began. To start to preach the Elijah message, amen? <laughs> you can see that that's in use. Instructor, January 7, 1897, paragraph one. Questions, comments? Yeah. Yep. Okay, just check it. Just check it. Just making sure that uh... I'm just seeing so far <clears throat> in this message that temperance will go a long way, uh, just as much as it did for John the Baptist. It will be the same thing for us here in these last days. Or that's how I, I'm seeing the message unfolding, in a sense. Yep. So how did John, what did John do to protect his character? So here, the temperance message is not just food, amen? The whole being. So we looked at the food part of it. His father made sure that he didn't follow into this culture of, of diet that was uh, amongst the Israelites at the, at the stage. He said and clear. And as you we were told, Ellen Jewite said, the angel from heaven gave clear instructions as to how his son was to be brought up. Now, so what did John do to protect his character? 
Putin did not feel strong enough. Isn't that amazing? Is there any self, any pride in this guy? No. He did not feel strong enough to stand the great pressure of temptation he would meet in, the, in mingling with society. So even though he's brought up that way, still felt, you know, no, not quite ready. Why did he not feel strong enough? He feared his character would be molded according to the prevailing customs of the Jews. And he chose to separate himself from the world and make the wilderness his own. So even though his dad brought him right temperately what he should eat and the question of appetite, John knew that he had to do more. He had to extricate himself from the world, not to be affected, to be tempted by it. And that's why he went into the wilderness. Not for 40 days, a lot of years, feeding on just locusts. Mm -hmm. Amen? He had to separate himself. He knew how powerful the temptation was. He feared his character would be more according to the prevailing customs of the Jews, and he chose to separate himself from the world and make the wilderness his home. He denied himself the ordinary comforts of life. His food was simple, his clothing, a garment made of camel's hair, and confined about the waist by a leather girdle. But although John passed his childhood and youth in the desert, he was not unreconciled to his life of hardship and security. So, so far from being lonely, gloomy, or morose, he enjoyed his life of simplicity and retirement, and his temperate habits kept all his senses under the Folks, this is key. I wonder, did you catch what is, what is being said here? Is he enjoying himself or not? Yes. Did, did he enjoy it? He enjoyed his life. Yes, he did. And that's the key. See, some of us, when we go down this temperate life, we are so, so sad. People know that we are vegetarians because we look so sad. Am I kidding or what? It's right, right? I mean, some folks, they wear that. Sometimes I just feel like saying, please put on a sackcloth and ashes already. different. You need to follow God's law exactly, but with joy. With joy. Why else would somebody want to follow your diet if you look sad following your own diet? And to convince a guy, hey, man, you should try this. The guy's looking at you, man, man but he just wiped your tears away before you told me that. So far from being lonely, gloomy, or morose, he enjoyed his life of simplicity, of retirement, and his temperate habits kept all his senses under him. Amen. 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 Did John prepare for his special work? See how he protected his character? How did he prepare for his special work? John had a special work to do for God. He was to deal with the sins and follies of the people. In order to be fitted for this important public work, he must qualify himself in private by seeking heavenly knowledge. Communion with God on a daily basis, continuing basis, is key. Is key to this as it was key for John the Baptist, as it was key for Elijah, Isaiah, it's also key for us today, those of us who are living the last days. Qualify himself in private by seeking heavenly knowledge. He must meditate and pray, and by studying, become acquainted with the prophecies and the will of God. Away from the busy world whose cares and alluring pleasures would divert his mind and pervert his thoughts and imaginings, he was shut up with God in nature. Listen to God, 
God pointed him to nature when God wanted to teach him certain truths. Pointed him to nature. Here he would not be influenced by evil surroundings. His understanding would not be blinded, nor his spirit become familiar with wickedness. By the way, Mikey, did you find that quote in Spirit of uh, and uh, Steps to Christ about the rose? Yes, I actually did. Okay, good. But it is in the first chapter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, it, it, that, that thing knocked me out when I was ready. Just incredible. The calm retirement of the wilderness, John became strong in spirit. His strictly temperate habits, he secured to himself physical, mental, and moral health. His discernment was clear, his judgment correct. How are we preparing for our last day work to preach the three angels message? Specifically the third angel, Ellen Dwight tells us our focus should be on the third angel. And it's not going to, she says, it's not going to be popular. It's going to be tough, but we must do it. God requires us to preach. What was the key to John's unwavering commitment to his work? Here it comes. See, a lot of us, when we go down this path, we say, okay, what message can I preach that's going to be liked by at home? I mean, we may not use the word like that will not will bring comfort to the, the church. Be careful when you go down that road that you're not compromising what God wants you to preach about that day. I'm not saying that you should be, you know, hell and fire. But preach what God wants you to preach that day. What was... The key to his unwavering commitment to his work. John accustomed himself to privations and hardships that he might be able to stand among the people as unmoved by circumstances as the rocks in the mountains of the wilderness that had surrounded him for 30 years. So God led him into the wilderness so that as he viewed the rock, the rocky mountains, he said he knew that his character has to be that steadfast. When he's doing God's work. The winds may come, snow may come, rain, but these mountains are going to stand where they are. Our life like. A great work was before him, and it was necessary that he should form a character that would not be swerved from right and duty by any surrounding influence. He was to lead out as a reform and by his abstemious life and plain dress, rebuke the intemperate habits and sinful extravagance of prevailing among, uh, of sinful extravagance that was prevailing among the people. How did, what was his first sermon? Life in his dress. He didn't even speak. His first sermon. His life. And the way that he dressed. Saying that we should dress like. What, what it means here is he was temperate in all sense, even in the, the, the way that he dressed. Very simple. And by denying himself, people know that he didn't eat everything that they were eating. And I'm telling you, kosher, they were eating kosher food. Not that he wasn't eating everything that they were eating, only certain things. It's a topic of conversation when you notice people's lifestyle, right? Especially when it's slightly different from yours. I wonder why that person is doing that. Same thing with John the Baptist. Indulgence of appetite, especially in the use of wine. Ah, there you go. Was destroying the health and weakening the intellect so that the people did not regard sin as offensive to God. 
Notice how many people in the Bible were drunk that were in the temple, that were around the, around the temple? I mean, the high priests were drunk? Who can you name was, was drunk? Noah. Else? Eli. Eli, his sons. His sons, <laughs> yeah, Eli's Funny son. enough, even Samuel's kids. As good as he. Because of this, because wine was part of the, you know. Praise God, when I joined this church, then they said that we use unfermented wine. God does not want us to perform a sacred ritual memory of his son that would have the slightest tinge of moving us to become an alcoholic. Will not even allow that. I mean, do you realize how much, how little we take of the wine? How little those cups are? God will not allow it. That great light was given to this church. That path, one time, once a little teaspoon, that little cup becomes a big goblet, and by ratio of the bottle, it becomes a habit. Our taste buds yeah. very inquisitive. Follow what I'm saying? I'm very inquisitive. We've got to be able to, and this is why we need to control appetite. The taste bud is very, very inquisitive. His work requires firmness and integrity. For he would have opposition to meet from those whose hearts were given to pleasure and gratification of appetite. He was to reprove the wrong and vindicate the right. Folks, do you realize the biggest opposition we get is when you're trying to live a, a temperate lifestyle? Where do you get it from? Outside the uh, church or inside the church? Inside the church. Inside the church. Inside the church. Folks outside don't care what how, how we what we eat, what we drink. They eat anything that that, that, that doesn't eat. It's inside. Oh what do you do? Going down the vegan route. What's what's the story here? You say, praise be to God. To follow you soon, brother, sister. to me from those whose hearts were given to pleasure and gratification of appetite. He was to reprove the wrong and vindicate the right. He was fitting himself to understand the peculiarities of the human minds and learning how to move hearts. As a church worker, as a message of God, this is a key. Understand the peculiarities of the mind. Very, people are different. No uh, a solution fits everybody. You know, I, 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 I love what Pastor Lee told me one day. He said, you know, um, in the Chinese church, we've learned that the fishing net doesn't work. I said, huh, what do you mean? He says, it's got to use a fishing line individually. What works for this person? It's not, not necessarily going to work for this case. Peculiarities of the mind, of the human minds, and learning how to move hearts. The key to touching someone's heart is key to a church worker's arsenal. And the only way you can move hearts is if you allow the Spirit to move your heart first, and the Holy Spirit working through you will know when to say this and not say that. When to speak and when not to speak, and even when you speak, what words to use. Moving hearts is a divine gift. It's a divine attribute. Let the, 
The biggest mover of hearts is the Holy Spirit. Move your heart first so that you can move others as you lead them to Christ. Amen. Amen. So what about us? What can we learn from John the Baptist? Okay? Rewind. So what have you learned from John the Baptist, the secret to his, uh, his life? What lessons can we learn from his life? He was temperate. Temperate in all sense, amen? All sense, not just food. All sense, that's the key. Amen. Anyone else? He lived a simple life. Simple life. Simplicity. In other, when we talk about simplicity, what's the opposite of a simple lifestyle? And the Bible uses it. Such with the letter V. A N I Vanity. There you go. Okay. All right. <laughs> Simplicity. Okay, good. Temperance in all sense. Simplicity of life. What else can we learn from John the Baptist? He's committed. Commitment. Okay, you know, because he knew. I mean, we all know how he ended up, right? He ended up with his head on a platter. That's how he, he was presented, you know, he was presented to, to the mom. Because that's what the mom told the daughter to say, you know, when they I would dance and when they tell you, what do you want in reward for your dance? I want the head of John the Baptist on the platter. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what Herod did. That's a Chopped his head off and presented his head on a platter to mother and daughter, as you asked. No, it's not going to be a waiver. What else? Can you explain the appear to be kind of a, a loss of heart? Remember when he sent a message to Jesus just before he died? What was his message? What was his question? He questioned if Jesus was the one. He said, are you the one? Right? So even John the Baptist will have moments of discouragement. And Jesus did not wait to send word back to his cousin. What did Jesus say? What does Jesus respond? Was it like, blessed are those that don't get offended or something? Okay. Not really? Okay. Anyone else? He, he told them to go back and tell him what they saw, what they witnessed. What, what, yeah, he, he said, you've seen what I've done, go and tell him. So in John, when, when they told John the Baptist, he said, okay. I had been, I had witnessed the, I, I was witness to the true light. He's the true light. He knew. Notice that he didn't ask Jesus, save me. You notice that? When he sent message to Jesus, he said, please save me. No. He knew that was his law. But he just said, are you the one? And Jesus said, yes. go back and tell him what you've seen. Mm. People have People have, have been healed. People have, you know, eyes and blind have seen. Mm. They said, go and tell. And he looked when they told him that, he said, oh, yeah. No man more than a woman greater than John the Baptist. I have a question. What, what made um, John the Baptist question Jesus? What, what, what made him discouraged? Well, okay. uh, yeah, why did he question any, that? Yeah. Any any comments there? 
He probably didn't expect to be in a dungeon. I think that, I think dungeon times are really hard for us. Um, probably, he probably thought that things would go differently. Naturally, I mean, you know, I mean, he was ready for the for hardships, but uh, I'm going to say this. I've never viewed it this way, but I, I've never used these words before, but I'm going to give you this. That call from John was his Gethsemane. Make sense? Jesus also had his Gethsemane, right? But that was John's Gethsemane. And both gardens were gardens of victory, not failure. One in the dungeon, one in the true garden. Victory on both sides. And on a platter, hung on a cross. Cousins, to death, commitment to God. We will all go through our Gethsemane. Trust me on this. Different, but we will go through those. And I pray that if we prepare our lives like John did, we'll have victory just like he did, just like Jesus did on Gethsemane. Why? Because by getting victory on those situations, others will follow us as we follow Jesus to eternity. Make sense, Cal? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We, are not, we are not immune from, I'm telling you, all of us will have our Gethsemane. Moments where we, even though we've been, we've, we've tasted God's blessings, miracles in our lives, but we will just say, hmm, why me? Even Paul had it. Right? Remember, Paul, until the Lord himself said, don't ask me anymore about this thing. <laughs> The thorn on your side is going to be with you. <laughs> the Lord may not, may not have used the exact words, but Paul got the message. He said, why am I worrying about this little thing when I'm preaching to people that we are heading, this is, world is not our own. We are heading to a world where there's no, no, no death, there's no suffering. What, what kind of witness am I saying here? Lord, get this thing from my side. You know, really the thing from his side, as long as his side was not on his side, it was his eyesight. He couldn't write anymore. That's why he had others write his epistles for him. Yeah, he, he loved to write. Paul, Paul, Paul was an academic. He loved to write. So he was asking the Lord, please improve my eyesight. He put my eyesight. The Lord said, I've given you people to write for you. What are you complaining about? <laughs> right. But that's, that's his Gethsemane. Gethsemane is a moment of supreme trial. The Lord manifests his power to us to the point where we say, I got it. Never going to raise this doubtful question to you. Got it. Thank you. Amen. 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 Okay. Amen. Okay, let's, uh, what about us? What does Ellen G. White tell us? We should learn from John the Baptist. <clears throat> John was an example to the young people in these last days. Okay. To whom have been committed important and solemn truths. I've never known these solemn truths until I joined this church. The Lord is saying, He said that you know more than I. No. <laughs> I gave you this truth. Oh, so I gave you this truth so that you can share it. Oh, you want to more water? Now, how about this? God would have them tempered in all things, us. He would have them see the necessity for the denial of appetite, for keeping their passions under the control of reason. When I read this, I said, wow, that means when I 
break the, you know, the, the temperance rules. I'm actually being unreasonable. When I want to eat much more than I should, I'm being unreasonable. When I want to eat something that I know is bad for me, I'm being unreasonable. That's what El Duel is saying, right? For keeping their passions under the control of reason. In other words, we should know when we're going to, before we even do the wrong thing, I know I should not be eating this. Oh, you know what? I'm going to have this sugar anyway, even though I know it's bad for me. Control under the control of reason. This is this is scary. No, no, to discern between right and wrong, in truth and error. There is work for every one of them to do in the vineyard of the Lord, and He would have them fit themselves to act a useful part. That's our part. Are we ready to do our part? Are we ready? To uh, Peter's three angels message. Ready to do it properly. If you've been preaching it, ask yourself are you doing it the way that the Lord wants you? Three angels' messages, powerful messages. Amen. First angels' message. I followed another angel. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. The third one is the toughest one. The third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, Any man, do what? Worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And they will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. Their torment ended forever and ever. To find no rest no night. Worship the beast and his image. Whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. That a popular message? <laughs> no, it does not. But the Lord tells us, be unwavering as John the Baptist. That's the message I've given you. Preach it. But how did John the Baptist begin his first sermon, not by saying anything, his life, simplicity, and a life of abstention from things that he should touch. When we abstain from the wrong things and we live a simple life, that is the first sermon that opens the door for us to now preach first, second, especially the third angel. My own theology on this, when I preach the third angel's message, I'm telling people, I used to be the one that worshiped the beast and his image. Used to be. It's a slave of sin. Like last week's Sabbath school lesson in the pigsty when we listen to God, repent and confess our sins, is able to restore us to where we should be. Amen. 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 Any final comments? Any did I misspeak? Uh, thank you for the uh 
for that powerful point that you shared about John's Gethsemane and Jesus had a Gethsemane and how God's people will go through their Gethsemane. I, I never saw it like that. Thank you, John, for sharing that. Hey, uh, Amen. You know, I just stood on other people's shoulders. You know, that have allowed me to stand on their shoulders. And uh, people will stand on my shoulders and look further than I did. Uh, and I'm prepared. That's why I go to 24 Fitness so that when Mikey stands on my shoulder, I'll be able to carry him. <laughs> but I mean, you know, kidding aside, but that's, praise be to God, the, the work of learning uh, Bible truths is amazing. Because people will see one way that you've never, even though you've gone through that thing so many times, you never saw it that way. But I don't, I don't think it was meant for you to see it that way until this guy pointed out because he went through a special experience to see it. Amen. But praise be to God. That's how we share. That's how we get stronger. That's how we encourage one another. And that's how we learn from one another. I, uh, I'm ever the student. I'm always learning. Always learning. Doesn't matter whether my granddaughter talks to me or Dr. Waterhouse speaks to me. They carry the same weight when they talk to me spiritually. I can tell when the Lord is speaking through either, either of them. I can tell. And they both carry the same, same importance. So I think uh, one of the things that we need to do, Simola, is to just have that open, open, open mind. You know, just like the church in Berea, right? Uh, they, they listen with an openness of mind and search the scriptures daily to check whether it was so. Amen. Praise be to God for that. Amen. Yeah. Any other comments, folks? Short study, but uh, you'll uh, kind of realize that you need to read read again those these quotes from uh, Youth Instructor, January 7, 1897. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Uh, they, they've done for me this week something that has never happened in my life. I viewed how slack I've been, really. You know, I, I thought I was doing, and the Lord is saying, no, you got to do more. And not only more, you got to be focused on certain things. And that's why you're seeing these studies that I'm, uh, that I'm bringing forth. It's, it's to, you know, one aim here, two, two things. This to, number one, fully develop the, the character of Jesus in each and every one of us. Number one, most important. Number two, once you develop the character of Jesus, to go forth like Jesus and those who follow Jesus and preach the message that they did. And we have a particular message that we need to preach in these last days, three angels' message, especially in the third angel. Yeah. And we preach it, first of all, by living the life. Number two, by being steadfast enough in preaching it, even when it becomes unpopular within God's church. Amen. 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 Let's continue to pray for one another. And uh, Simolo, please uh, close our study with a word of prayer. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. All right, let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your love and your kindness. Thank you for the simplicity of your word that directs, enlightens, and comforts and encourages us. Uh, we continue to ask that you pour your blessings upon John as he shares with us what he has discovered and that it will help us in our walk. Bless the families that are represented here in our fellowship. Uh, be with us throughout the remainder of the Sabbath hours. And may our worship and our study and our praise be acceptable in thine eyes. Oh, help us, dear God, to learn the life lessons of John the Baptist that we might be just as he was. Be with all of us now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank amen. You so Good to hear from you, Ruby, Eileen, and Simolo. Yes. Carla, <laughs> Mikey, and Gloria. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Continue to pray for one another. Good to see you guys in church today, man. Finally, I get to see yes. you. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, uh. 
Thank you for stopping by the Chat Show Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's program. Please remember to come back for more interviews, programs, music, and others that you might enjoy. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast or YouTube channel of Chad Show. And I hope you have a great day in the Lord. Aloha.